0: Alright. Is it
1: a uh, recording it doesn't? OK. Alright, hello everyone. Welcome to the weekly UK Sangha. Uh, we get together every week 12 PM Pacific Standard Time. Uh, in case anyone was confused and uh, we just get together here and talk about the Dhamma. But usually it's just me talking the whole time because no one has any questions ever, but uh. Please come on, uh, ask questions about the Dhamma. Ask questions about practice, and ask questions about uh, pretty much anything because everything is the Dhamma. The Dhamma can be applied in all situations of our lives, and it's essentially an all-in-one type of thing. It covers science, it covers um, philosophy, it covers um therapy it covers uh uh love it covers uh your work life it covers covers everything pretty much so it's just like the secret answer to the universe and beyond so uh (laughs) here we go uh reading uh some ancient knowledge that if you understand uh the meanings of these words uh, you'll come to know uh, the complete and total end of dissatisfaction experientially. So this one is uh SN forty one point six or actually which one am I gonna read first? I'll read this one first. So this one is at uh thirty five point eighty five. Empty is the world. Then Venerable Ananda approached the Blessed One. And said to him. Venerable Sir, it is said empty is the world. Empty is the world. In what way, Venerable Sir, is it said? Empty is is the world. It is Ananda. Because it is empty of self and of what belongs to self. That it is said. Empty is the world. And what is empty of self and of what belongs to self? The I, Ananda, is empty of self and what belongs to self. Forms are empty of self and what belongs to self. I consciousness is empty of self and what belongs to self. Eye contact is empty of self and of what belongs to self. Whatever feeling arises with mind contact as condition, whether pleasant or painful, or neither pleasant nor painful, that too is empty of self and what belongs to self. It is Ananda because it is empty of self and of what belongs to self
0: That it is said, empty is the world. Okay, so I'm just gonna go through that, unless unless someone has a. Does anyone have any
1: questions right off the bat? Oh, welcome, Anna. Good to see you. Okay, no questions. Then I'm just gonna come through uh, that uh, one more time and sort of break it down. So first of all there's the overarching statement empty is the world. And what is the world essentially that is everything that we experience is the world. So um why is the world empty? Uh it's not empty in the sense that it's made of emptiness like a a lot of dharma practitioners come to believe and understand that, oh, everything is made of emptiness. No, that that's not really uh, what emptiness means. Emptiness is not something, it's the absence of something. So what is the world empty of is the question. So that's why when uh, uh, Ananda asked the Buddha, in what way is it said empty is the world? And then uh, the Buddha replies, it is because it is empty of self and what belongs to self. So what does that mean? That means it's essentially not something continuous. That can be ascribed. As me, or it can be, um. Provably me. So. If something changes, it inherently can't be you. Because if it was you and it changed, you wouldn't be there anymore to experience the change. Does that make sense? So like we wake up in the morning, we have uh, certain types of thoughts uh, later on in the day. Uh, When we're about to go to bed, we have a whole different types of thoughts. Can we all agree on that? That our thoughts change throughout the day? That we were not thinking the same thoughts uh, we did when we woke up than uh, we are now or that we will be uh, when we're going to sleep? So in what way is any of those thoughts uh, me? In what way is any of those thoughts a self? It can be. Because they're always changing, it's gone.
0: Um, so uh, you may believe that something. Uh, you're recalling.
1: From the past is you. But really what you're doing is making a mental construction right now and believing that there was you that was experiencing
0: that in the past when all when that is completely gone so you're not the same person
1: you were um one instance of go and you're not the same person you will be uh one instance in the future so this is no this is no self Everything is in constant change. All aspects of our experience
0: is in constant change, so that's why it it says next. And what is empty of self and of what belongs to self?
1: The I Ananda is empty of self and of what belongs to self so the actual uh, uh ability uh the faculty that we use to see visual um sites um is not self for instance if i um i don't know if you guys ever seen naruto um this is kind of weird we reference but there's scenes they essentially like Parts of the anime where they take their eyes out and they take them out and they give it to someone else and someone else uses that eye, but uh, think about it in real life. If someone. Take takes a scalpel and gouges your eye out. Your eye is gone, but you still be there. Right? You survive without your eyeballs. Like some people don't have eyes and there's are still experiencing things. So that is why it says the I Ananda is empty of self and what belongs to self. Forms are empty of self and what belongs to self. So forms here. Uh, means whatever the eye comes into contact with. So uh, we need these different uh, conditions. In order for eye consciousness to arise, eye consciousness doesn't arise uh, independently. It's dependently originated upon the eye faculty and the forms, uh, the actual material forms. So the objects that you that you the eye comes into contact with, um, all of the objects that you perceive, that you see, um, that creates contact and um through that contact eye consciousness arises and so this is essentially going through the process of each thing that happens in our moment-to-moment experience um and saying that is empty of self and of what belongs to self and it's important to understand at the very beginning that it's not you So that when it gets to the things that actually become a problem for you. That you really understand that it's not you because later on. Uh, whatever feeling arises. With mind contact as condition. So not even the consciousness, the eye consciousness creates any feelings about anything. Pleasant or painful or neither pleasant. Nor nor. Nor not painful so so it is actually the mind coming into contact with. Uh, the eye consciousness. Uh, the experience of this of seeing that creates a certain kind of feeling about it. So, the eye faculty comes into contact with forms. Eye consciousness arises. The mind comes into contact with that eye consciousness. Uh, So, the mind perceives, perception arises, um, what you are actually seeing. And then as with mind contact as condition. A vedana arises. um, And it says whatever whatever feeling arises, whether pleasant or painful, or neither painful nor pleasant.
0: That too is empty of self and of what belongs to self. So if you understand uh the mechanisms um how
1: this works then uh you can liberate yourself from uh the dukkha that is attached to um the feelings that you experience so um we don't really mind the eye contact we really don't mind the eye consciousness we don't even mind the mind contact what we do mind is the painful feelings or the pleasant feelings that we want to keep around. And they go away. So when we feel painful and pleasant feelings. We suffer, uh, right? We because we don't understand that. All of these things are in fact. um, Inherently impermanent by nature and empty of self and of what belongs to self.
0: So it's constantly changing. right there's no there's no reason why the unfoldment of our experience is ever a problem
1: because it's there one moment has gone the next and the only reason that it might come be coming back up is because we don't see clearly that this stuff is there one moment and gone the next. We think it's continually there. So we think it's continually me. Uh, we see things. Uh, we see things uh, with ignorance or we don't see things. Actually ignorance is the opposite of seeing things. So all of these things happen. We experience feelings, thoughts. um. Hindrances arise because uh, we end up thinking ourselves into a big pile of dukkha. And all of these thoughts uh, revolve around. Um, this is me. Uh, or mine.
0: So this is me, my, or I. Empty of self and what belongs to self. So so empty of self
1: it just means the opposite of empty of self would be this is me and the opposite of what belongs to self is this is mine so it's not that we think everything is me right some things we think that is mine so that's my girlfriend or or that's my car
0: that they scratched uh yeah anna you have a question uh no not a question i just wanted to uh to share uh, what i understand
1: okay go for it
0: like uh what i understood is like we we actually suffer because we grasp to uh this process and actually it's just a a process it's not uh, me or It's not us, it's just the process and we grasp. We grasp to it and then we suffer.
1: Right, exactly. So the the that's the next. um, Step. Of what we end up doing uh, when we think it's me. Right, so you wouldn't grasp to something if it's not yours. Or it's not you. That's not my problem. No big deal. That's your dukkha. That's not my dukkha. That's that's not my dukkha. That's just. uh, The universe unfolding spontaneously moment to moment like it always does. If it's my dukkha or it's my painful feeling or it's my. uh, Reputation. Or it's my uh,
0: status or it's my body, my stuff,
1: then we grasp for it, we have to protect it, and we, we jump in front of, we create a target for ourselves, and we, we jump in front of the arrows, and say, oh, this is me, and then we get hit by the arrow, and it hurts,
0: uh, and it hurts a lot. right so so understanding
1: uh seeing with wisdom uh the actual mechanisms by which uh our experience arises, and that not only does it arise spontaneously but it um it arises and it passes away, dependent in nature and without self
0: <laughs> so we can end up sitting back and enjoying the show. All right, before I read the next one, is there any uh, anything else that anyone wants to say? All righty. Alright, this one is uh, Samyutta Nikaya.
1: 41.6. With Kamabu. uh, Second, and then um, also just to provide some context. um, These uh, insights and realizations. uh, They can be wholesome thoughts if you. uh, If you uh, interpret them the right way and use it as a wholesome thought. So yeah, it's not me, not my problem. Right? But to uh, meditatively and experience uh, these things, experience the actual process of vision. Um, Veda mind contact, so the process of your mind, perception and feeling arising. Um, you have to be out of the hindrances completely. So you have to be already in jhana. And how do we get in jhana? Is one wholesome thought after another, right? So the mind has to be pure. Uh, the mind is purified by wakey-wakey, pay attention to what kinds of thoughts we're having moment to moment and making sure that each thought that we have in this very moment and the next very moment, and the next very moment is a wholesome thought that feels good, uh, safe, and uh, satisfying, right? So we're in this state of "Ah, everything's fine. We have deactivated the fight or flight response, All right? So bodily tensions are released. Take some deep breaths. You think wholesome thoughts. You get that instinctual mind calmed down. So the different, pro- the different um, centers of your brain are, are uh, activated more like the clarity centers, the understanding centers, and the seeing centers, and the simple um, internal observation centers of your brain are activated instead of oh fuck i gotta get out of here i'm not safe right now right that's restlessness so we so we think uh, we think the wholesome thoughts uh we release bodily tensions we get the body nice and comfortable <sighs> the mind purified no worries one happy thought after another Oh, there's an unwholesome thought. I don't care how unwholesome it is or how important it may seem or logical or reasonable and unwholesome thought. We're getting rid of that thought because for the sake of this practice. This is the direct instructions. So you go one wholesome thought after another wholesome thought after another wholesome thought. You get everything nice and collected and um, clear and purified. And then uh, we can look uh, not just conceptually at these uh, suttas that I'm reading, but experience it um, meditatively. So instead of thinking about how mind contact arises and how feeling arises, we see the moment mind comes into contact with our senses and we see the moment. A certain feeling about it happens, either pleasant or painful, and we see it come out of non-existence. And then do a funny thing and go back into non-existence. Wow, so there was nothing really there to begin with. That which is subject to change, that which is subject to change lacks inherent existence. If it appears and it disappears, then inherently it was dependent upon other causes and conditions. So this is the understanding of dependent origination and the understanding of dependent origination applies to every single aspect of every moment we experience. um, Because every moment we experience is uh, through mind and is mind. So mind is the forerunner. Uh, We might believe that there is a world. And there is stuff out there that is mine or I'm in the world and and I'm a person in the world, but that is not understanding that all is mind. Mind is the forerunner of all thoughts. Mind is the forerunner of all actions. Mind is the forerunner of all feelings. Mind is the forerunner of every of the totality of our experience. It is all um, uh, mental mentally created. And once we know that it's mentally created, then um, we can come to understand uh, its dependent nature and its inherent um, sunyata, so its inherent emptiness, not that oh, that's what it's really made of. Everything is really made of emptiness. No, we see its inherent emptiness of being not my problem. So it's inherently empty of problems. I think that's a better way to describe no self. Instead of thinking it's empty of self, think it's empty of problems. Self is just another way for problems. The only problem you really have is about me. (laughs) it's either my problem or it's not a problem, right, so if it's not, uh, empty is the world, what is it empty of, empty of problems and problems that belong to me, right, people think enlightenment is really complicated, but enlightenment just means no worries, that's all it means, <laughs> like absolutely no worries, just not worried about anything, right, this is a, a very simple stuff, um, Even jhanas are empty of self and what belongs to self. So, even jhanas. This is not my jhanas. It's just happening too. <laughs> That's just more f- feelings <laughs> arising with mind contact as condition. Except for instead of unwholesome mind contact, this time it's wholesome mind contact. So, <laughs> we're actually creating a wholesome mind contact to create pleasant vedana to rise as condition, but the conditionality of even the experience of jhana still is empty of self and dependently originated but from from the clarity and the unification of mind uh, we can come to understand these things uh, understand awaken the eye of the dhamma awaken true wisdom uh so we can uh find relief from all problems whether pleasant painful or neither pleasant nor painful uh vedana are present there so whether you're in or in jhana or not you understand oh this is just a cycle it's not it's not it's not my problem right oh i feel bad now what happened i was in jhana before why did I? What's wrong with my practice? And I lost my jhana and that was mine and now I'm badly meditating and this is my problem, right? So then you co- you completely miss the whole point of the wisdom part of it. So the jhanas are not enough because jhanas come and go. You're good. You can get yourself into really good states and it's important to develop that skill. To get back into the states over and over again but those states impossible to sustain all the time you're not going to always be in jhana. sometimes the dukkha will come back but can you can, can you be wise to it when it comes back can you see it coming back and understand what is actually going on here because you've been here before and you've started you're actually starting to pay attention to what the process of your mind is doing, right? Um, okay, so I'm gonna read the I'm gonna read the other sutta, uh, Samyutta Nikaya, forty one point six. And if you have a question, don't feel the need to raise your hand. Just interrupt me because uh, I'm switching to a different tab to uh, read it. So I won't see the hand raise. So just uh, speak out. All right. At one time, venerable uh, Kambu Kamabu was staying near Machikasanda in the wild mango grove. Then Chita, the householder, went up to venerable Kamabu, sat down at one side, and said to him. Sir, how many processes are there? Householder, there are three processes. Physical, verbal and mental processes. Saying good Sir, Jita approved and agreed with. What Kamabu said then he asked another question. But Sir, what is the physical process? What is the verbal process? What's the mental process? Breathing is the physical process. Placing the mind and keeping it connected. are verbal processes. Perception and feeling are mental processes. Alright, so this is just describing the whole practice that um, we're
0: doing here. Breathing is the physical process. So, what's the breathing meditation? What is it called? It starts with an A. <laughs> oh,
1: Anapanasati. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That whole thing that we've been on and on about. Why do we do Anapanasati? It's the physical process. So, it's one of the processes of your actual body. So, there's multiple facet, there's multiple processes that are interacting with each other in our mind and body and feeling mechanisms that happen. And uh, we need to understand each of these processes in order to get them all working together. So the breathing is very important. So the actual way that your physical body is holding on to tensions or your physical body is uh releasing um fight or flight chemicals uh i don't know the exact uh i don't know maybe adrenaline for like anxiety uh i'm not a scientist but there's there's a certain mechanism that's activated by the instinctual mind that uh creates uh fear and tension in the body so uh, the, that is a physical process. And that physical process is. Um, it's influenced by all of the other processes. Um, and most importantly, probably it is the breath. So you get yourself breathing in a way that. Uh, is conducive to. Um, the other processes producing pleasant feelings. Or um, releasing tensions so so um, breathe in a way. That. Calms the mind. Collects the mind. Relaxes the body, right? So it's a practice so. So um, it's kind of like one breath at a time type of thing. You might notice it more when you're out of breath. So if like if you're sick and you're it's hard to get each breath, you're consciously going to be okay that breath. Okay, this breath. But most of the time we aren't even aware of our breathing at all. Um. So or if you're like, let's say you're uh, lifting weights, you're doing not just. You're doing some kind of full body exercise or walking up a big flight of stairs or something right you're when you get, start to walk up the stairs you start to notice your breath a little bit more you start to breathe a little deeper and you're like just breathing and moving the body right so you start to get into kind of like a clear-minded state like the, like uh Instead of your mind going off, thinking about this and that, going off, creating its own um, imaginary world that creates all your problems and all your dukas, now you're actually just breathing. So that's a kind of a reality check, a little wake-up check. Um, You ever think you're going crazy? You ever think you're, 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 oh, does this person like me or doesn't like me? Why is not responding to my text? Or... Um, Did I, did that situation work out right or what do they think of me or was, um, did I say the right thing? So you're imagining all this stuff that is creating suffering when you could just be breathing. (laughs) You could just, (sighs) okay, so simple hack. So here's this, that's a self-help hack, you know, they tell it to everyone, but literally That's in the teaching of the Buddha. So uh, the Anupanasati right there. Okay, placing the mind and keeping it connected are verbal processes. Okay, so what does place, what is, where have we heard that before? Placing the mind and keeping it connected. DJ? This seems like applying
2: and sustaining
1: wholesome thoughts. Exactly. Fuck yeah. (laughs) (laughs) that's it right there yeah so the breathing and the placing the mind and keeping it connected so applying and sustaining right so just because you're doing the breathing doesn't mean that the thoughts magically disappear you can still be thinking about all kinds of stuff but now we actually want to get the the mind working with the breath as well so placing the mind and keeping it connected. So a verbal process, that just means, what it means by verbal process is not literally like talking, but it means uh, discursive thought. So thought that we think in language, right? So thoughts that we're thinking that are actually uh, sentences, and they're actually like uh, English language, so thoughts that carry meaning to us and meaning that we have been given by society. So <clears throat> all of the language that all of the words that we know, all of the things that we think are things are. Allocated definitions by the verbal process that were spoken to us and now that uh, uh, as we grew up and they were spoken to us, we started speaking it to ourselves within our own mind. Um, Oh, yeah, right. I'm
2: curious, Scott, um, is process like a translation of Sankara? Because I remember when I asked Dom Murato about Sankaras, he actually told me about the three kinds of Sankaras. They actually line up to, like, what you're talking about here with, like, the verbal processes, the physical processes, and then the mental processes, which are more like, I think, like, a, a, sometimes I he, he, when he was telling me about the Sankaras, Dom Morato, he was talking about... Um, like heart sankara which is more the feel like the emotional memory
1: yeah so. that's the next one right. yeah so definitely probably is i i don't know that one to, like i'm just reading the tra- i haven't read the one to one translation but uh sankara i believe like it's sometimes translated as formations right yeah and and um form all formations are in fact processes mm-hmm. So they're not actually solid things like nothing. The thing is like everything is a process. So, so all Sankara are process. So I would, I, it's probably right. You're probably right that uh, process here is a direct, direct translation of Sankara, but I haven't read the Pali version of this sutta. So I would have to check to be sure, but I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah, so formations, so mental formations. um, Physical formations, so bodily uh, processes. And uh. And uh, perception and feeling so then so after placing the mind and keeping it connected. Our verbal process we have perception and feeling our mental processes. Okay. so perception comes first and then feeling arises because of perception. Um, so essentially we have the, the experience of um, sight. So we have the raw data of um, eye contact, um, ear contact, um, bodily tangible contact, mind contact, the mind and the mind objects, um smells and flavors contact and uh all these happen first and then the mind uh comes into contact with it and uh perception the process of perception arises and what the process of perception arises is actually um another way to say perception is interpretation so the cognizing or the understanding of what is this uh meaningless sensory data actually is so i see something i interpret it what it is right a baby doesn't the baby is still like forming the ability to have perception like in the very early stages some very um probably some very uh some very primitive forms of perception are coming up like a baby's oh that's mom right they may not say it verbally that's mom but they start to understand that's mom um but at a very very young age even that's probably not there just uh it's the the just direct sensory data coming from moment to moment so they're kind of essentially in, in a non-dual state because they lack the ability to, to interpret their experience, and uh, but there is probably some uh, a little bit amount that is developed. Even a, like you know even a newborn baby probably has some perception, but um, animals have perception, but not as, not as articulated and not as obviously intelligent and. Uh, nuanced as humans. So without the ability to proliferate uh, into the past and the future um, as much and calculate and predict predicting processing, so processing data, predicting what it's going to be, predicting what it should be, predicting what you want it to be, and predicting what and then uh, craving it to be that certain way. So we create an imaginary world that isn't there. By processing the world that is there, and when the imaginary world doesn't doesn't line up with the reality world, uh, we suffer because we uh, aversion arises. So we don't like it. So we 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 want it to be different, or we want something that isn't there that we imagined, and the something that isn't there that we imagined doesn't actually get. So uh, by definition, we will be in a state of lack and a. St- state of deprivation because we will never get that imaginary thing that doesn't exist, right? So. The moment happening as it is, is all you're ever going to get. Um, but it's 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 good enough. It's 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 actually. It's actually God. It's actually the Dhammakaya, If you understand. Uh, uh, if you practice the Dhamma and your discipline and the Dhamma and you understand how all these things interact. Um, So perception arises and then I feel a certain way about it, right? Pleasant, painful, neither pleasant nor unpainful. And those are mental processes. So that's important to understand. Perception and feeling are mental processes. So that means it's all in here. (laughs) So how you feel about something is not what actually happens. It's created mentally. So This is the most liberating truth of the Dhamma, is that uh, our suffering is created by our own minds, right? So, first noble truth, this is Dukkha. So, Dukkha has arised because all of this stuff happened, and we didn't understand it, we weren't paying attention. Um, Okay, so now we caught the Dukkha, we had Sati to wake up to realize this is Dukkha. And then now we can pay attention. Oh, it's all in my head. I'm thinking myself into this dukkha, right? This is a mental process. It's happening very quickly, okay? This stuff is happening uh, faster than the speed of light every moment. As I practice, 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 waking up, practice that sati, practice, woo, look, wake up, remember.
0: you get faster the more you practice being faster. Um,
1: <clears throat> yeah, so it's a mental process. Saying "Good sir," he asked another question. But sir, why is breathing a physical process? Why are placing the mind and keeping it connected verbal processes? Why are perception and feeling mental processes? Breathing is physical. It's tied up with the body. That's why breathing is a physical process. First you place the mind and keep it connected. Then you break into speech. That's why placing the mind and keeping it connected are verbal processes. Perception and feeling are mental. They're tied up with the mind. That's why perception and feeling are mental processes, right? So. Uh, Mind is the forerunner of all actions. Mind is the forerunner of all speech. So let alone not just the thoughts that we think inside of head that creates Vedana and then creates Dukkha, but those thoughts that we, in order to say something to somebody else out loud, first we think it in our head mentally, and then we say it, right? It's happening very fast. If you're talking like I am right now, Uh, But every time I say something, I'm thinking about that thought this moment as I say each word. So it's a verbal process happening and then dependently originating into speech. And um, and then the same with our actions. So we think about doing something first before we do it. Right? Some things are physical, so like if I hit your knee with that thing. The knee jerks up, so that that's that that would be a physical process. Sometimes the bod uh, body reacts like that. But in terms of all all the actions we do, uh, the decision making that we do um, is based on a mental, a verbal process first. So discursive thought. That's why it's important to make sure those uh, verbal processes are wholesome. Because then we're going to do. The right thing, right? We're going to be we're going to treat each other with compassion and kindness. And we treat each other with compassion and kindness. Uh, We treat ourselves with compassion and kindness. Um, So as above, so below as within. So without. We have compassion and kind thoughts. About ourselves about life about this moment in our heads then it's just going to spill out into everybody around us and uh, end up helping and being a benefit to everybody you come into contact with so you actually become a beacon of light in an otherwise miserable samsara world so this is a very noble noble practice and that's why it should uh, it feels very rewarding to actually do it. Uh, you feel good about yourself. Uh, you're not ashamed. Uh, you walk with your head up high like a lion. Like anywhere you go, you own the
0: place. <laughs> All right. This is um yeah, it is to help you it help other
1: people. It might piss other people off, but it will end up helping them. More
0: than they realize it. And help you too. Okay, saying good Sir, he asked another question.
1: But Sir, how does someone attain the cessation of perception and feeling? Oh, I don't think I finished reading the other paragraph. Um, That's why placing the mind and keeping it connected are verbal processes after you break into speech. Perception and feeling are mental. They're tied up with the mind. That's why perception and feeling are mental processes. But saying good Sir, he asked another question, but Sir, how does someone attain the cessation of perception and feeling? A mendicant who is entering such an attainment does not think, I will enter the cessation of perception and feeling, or I am entering the cessation of perception and feeling, or I have entered the cessation of perception and feeling. Rather, their mind has been previously developed so as to lead to such a state. All right? This is why. You only ever hear Damorado over and over again talk about getting into first jhana and talking about the wholesome thoughts and talking about the feelings because that is all you do. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. So you don't think so? When how does the cessation of perception of feeling? So I get this question sometimes: how do I get nibbana? Why hasn't nibbana happened for me yet? Well. Uh, When it does happen, you don't think I will enter it or you don't think I am entering it or I have entered it. It just happens. Rather, their mind has been previously developed. So to lead to such a state. So through the power uh, and discipline of your own Dhamma of paying attention to those thoughts that you're having, paying attention to the feeling that arises because of them. And actually, apply a sustain, a wholesome thoughts, and getting yourself feeling good. Uh, that is laying the ground, groundwork. So that is uh, fertilizing the soil, planting the seed. And there's nothing you can do to make that plant grow out of the ground, blossom, and bear fruit besides water it and make the right conditions for it to happen. So that's why it's called the fruition. Is another way people like to call it like. That's why uh. Daniel Ingram says fruition a lot. That really just means cessation of perception and feeling. And you if you notice here, it doesn't even say consciousness. It just says perception and feeling. So perception, the interpretation of. our our the data, the senses, um, the interpretations, and the way we feel about it. That cessation. So some people out there in Western Dharma worlds, um, they've convinced themselves, they deluded themselves. Oh, I have a cessation of absolute zero experience. What is a zero experience, right? How do you know that happened? (laughs) Like, it's not that like there's no experience whatsoever it's just that there's absolutely no mental interpretation of that experience what there's no self there to interpret it and there's no way to feel about it so it's an experience without a person so it's still there like you experience it so it's not coming that oh i have to blank out of existence or like or it depends on what you mean by i but it's not it's not like it's not like oh uh, frames were cut out of the movie right this is a wrong idea it's no my my mental process of creating a self of dividing of creating a duality in my experience of interpreting the data of my experience and all of my feelings about those experiences. Anything that is self or belongs to self, uh, passes away and the profundity of the Dhammakaya is realized. So things so knowledge and vision of things as they actually are, it says. It doesn't say knowledge and
0: visions of things as nothing existing, right Um, another thing is is abide in voidness is another way to talk about it.
1: I abided in voidness So voidness is void of voidness is again voidness is the same thing as emptiness. Voidness is not something. Right? I don't abide in a place called voidness or everything disappears. Voidness is void of what? Void of self and of what belongs to self. Right, Voidness is not a thing. The word voidness is a negative word. So it's, it has to be void of something. Nothing has to be, there has to be a thing for it to be not that thing. Right, nothing is not something. <laughs> it makes sense, right? This is because this is a really misunderstood concept, in, uh especially Western Dharma. Um, <laughs> is there any questions about that, by the way? Because that's kind of like a tricky, like, thing to kind of try to think about.
2: It came to mind, you know. Even emptiness is empty, <laughs> you
1: yeah. know. Yeah. 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 But it's like, like emptiness, like saying even emptiness is empty. What is emptiness empty of? I don't. I don't even like yeah. that either because yeah. what would what would emptiness be empty of?
2: There being some like permanent essence
1: it, of emptiness, that, that, right? Right. No, yeah. but that's that's it's redundant. It's circular. Yeah. Yeah, it's circular So emptiness is already saying it's a <laughs> negative, right it's already saying yeah. oh it's empty so empty of what? you're saying empty of what is empty that doesn't it's it, it's the, it doesn't make yeah. sense so yeah.
2: I suppose the idea is like
1: or is reifying
2: emptiness as like a concept in of itself which has some permanent ground in it. so like if you bring up emptiness right? as a concept or an idea like it comes up as a concept right and to see the like empty nature of that as well of being like you know they're, they're
1: yeah but it's so like yeah. yeah perfect like good let's run with that so emptiness comes up as a con as a concept right yeah. so that's not emptiness what is that that is verbal process yeah verbal process is something And a verbal process is empty of self and of what belongs to self. So so when people say emptiness is empty, like it's some kind of (laughs) profound thing, they're really not fucking getting it at all. Yeah. Um, So, uh, you know, I mean, maybe someone who does get it has said that before, but it's not a good pointer. It's better to go. It's better to go technically through it. So through each thing that is comprising our experience and then seeing what it is empty of, rather than saying there is emptiness. And then, oh, you gotta go meta, emptiness (laughs) is empty. You're just going in a thought spiral in your head, right? Uh, Um, But uh, yeah, don't get me wrong, I've done this before. So like, (laughs) I'm telling you the way that doesn't work and then this is the way that does work, so. uh, Yeah, no,
2: it it makes sense. Like, you know, it's, there's, essentially it's like needing something to be empty of right it's like this has in a way yeah. it's like pointing something out here yeah
1: yeah um, it has to be yeah that's uh, to nail that point home it has to be empty of something mm-hmm. empty by itself is not a. it's not yeah empty by itself doesn't make sense because it implies empty of something
2: yeah um, well because like emptiness is not a thing it's like pointing to the lack of that permanent
1: separate self right yeah it's it's emptiness is the is the is the by definition
0: the lack of something else hmm. being there um uh that's
1: why uh there's a certain sutta where it goes into the forest and it says uh in this forest um This forest is void of city or it's void of people and all all that there is is singleness dependent upon forest and and the mind understands uh, that this is present, this forest is present, but you understand this forest is empty of people, empty of city right? And then you can go into jhana and go into uh, different um, meditative progression and see experience that the forest is not there either. So the forest is a mental process perception. So this uh, boundless consciousness or whatever is empty of forest. Um, And then you understand that that boundless consciousness is empty of Self and what belongs to self, you can have a fruition. So it's a progression of realizing what's not there rather than what is there. And realizing, not being in denial of what is there, just saying this, there's the singleness of mind dependent upon what is there. That's why the Bahiya Sutta says, in the seeing, only the seeing, in the thoughts, only the thoughts, in the felt, only the felt. You understand that this is presence. But you understand that is empty of all that is not present. In other words, everything that you imagine, right? You understand that this is a thought, understand this is a feeling. This is a perception. Oh, this moment. Is someone leaving? Oh yeah, Martin's. Heading okay. Bye Martin, it's good to have you. Thanks for coming.
0: Bye bye. Thank you.
1: Bye bye. And uh, yeah, so it's very simple, straightforward stuff. Um. Uh, I'm almost to the end of this little sutta. Yeah. I think I'm just going to read the whole thing. And then uh, if we have questions or not, we'll finish it up because we've been going here. Yeah, I'm starting to lose all the. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Rather, their mind has previously uh, developed so as to lead to such a state. Saying good Sir, he asked another question, but Sir, what? Which cease uh, first for mendicate who is entering the cessation of perception and feeling physical, verbal or mental processes? Verbal processes cease first, then physical, then mental. What does this
0: mean? First verbal, then physical, then mental. We know this from somewhere else.
1: Okay, so this is the process of jhana. So what happens when we go from uh, first jhana to second jhana? What goes away?
2: Oh yeah, the applied and sustained thought, right?
1: Right, So. so that's the first to pass is the verbal. So the mind is unified, the mind is collected, the mind is purified. And then uh, we can feel the feelings. Uh, instead of thinking anymore, so that's the this is the progression. This is the progression of uh, cessations, so. There's the cessation of the verbal process. Cessation of the physical. So physical, what does that mean? Uh, bodily sensations are. T- bodily tensions are tranquilized. So tranquilizing the bodily uh, tensions. So releasing the bodily tensions. Formation so. Body relaxes those tensions in your body. Relax that tension that keeps things contracted relaxes. So the verbal relaxes verbal process. The bodily tension relaxes. And then when the body is the body and the mind is relaxed that's what verbal and physical means then the mental and the mental includes that perception and that feeling and there's nothing else to it so once the perception and the feeling go away (coughs) you have attained nibbana. uh what was needed to be done has been done uh there's nothing beyond it so that's what there is no coming into no more coming into any state of being. That means, oh, there's nothing more to it than this. Like this is it. I got. I got the Dhamma.
0: like I got the practice. Um, this is the end of Dukkha. Um, saying good sir, he asked another question.
1: What's the difference between someone who has passed away and a mendicant who has attained the cessation of perception and feeling? When someone dies, their physical, verbal, and mental processes have ceased and stilled. Their vitality is spent, their warmth is dissipated, and their faculties have disintegrated. When a mendicant has attained the cessation of perception and feeling, their physical, verbal, and mental processes have ceased and stilled, but their vitality is not spent. Their warmth is not dissipated and their faculties are very clear. That's the difference between someone who has passed away and a mendicant who has attained the cessation of perception and feeling. Saying good, sir, he asked another question, but sir, how does someone emerge from the cessation of perception and feeling? a mendicant who is emerging from such an attainment does not think i will emerge from the cessation of perception and feeling or i am emerging from the cessation of perception and feeling or i have emerged from the cessation of perception and feeling rather their mind has been previously developed so as to lead to such a state saying good sir he asked another question but sir, which arises, which arise first for a mendicant who is emerging from the cessation of perception and feeling, physical, verbal, or mental processes?
0: Right, so who can guess what order? Yes. <laughs> okay. I'm, oh yeah, so I'm guessing like this is
2: like coming back, right? so it would be right the the mental right then the yeah, physical then the verbal the
1: yeah. exactly yeah. perfect yeah so exactly the reverse. So the way that it goes away is the mental so when the mind comes back online the prerequisites for um, the prerequisite for the physical to arise is the mental so mind is a forerunner again the mental process arises then the physical and then the verbal so the mind comes back on but not all at once just like it dependently went away it dependently arises back again uh, so you you experience uh, perceiving things again there's no there's no physicality there F- uh, your body you feel experience your body again and then you think about it you might think wow well, you think, wow, that was it, or you think, wow, this has been done, or you think something like that, like, you see, like, that was it, that was, what I was like, what, that was what I was looking for, that is why I had been, that's why I practice, like, this is the fruit, um, <clears throat> saying, good, sir, he asked another question, but, sir, when a mendicant has emerged emerged from the attainment of the cessation of perception and feeling. How many kinds of contact do they experience? They experience three kinds of contact. Emptiness,
0: singleness. And undirected context. Saying good Sir, he asked another question. But Sir, when a mendicant has
1: emerged from the attainment of cessation. Of perception and feeling, what does their mind slant, slope, and incline to? Their mind slants, slopes, and inclines to seclusion. Saying, good sir, Chitta approved and agreed with with what Kamabu said. Then he asked another question. But sir, how many things are helpful for attaining the cessation of perception and feeling? Well, householder, you finally asked what you should have asked first. Nevertheless, I will answer you two things are helpful for attaining the cessation of perception and feeling. Serenity and
0: discernment. And there you have it. That was a question you should have asked him
1: again with. (laughs) That's what you need. That's again. That is why Dhammurada only teaches serenity and looking discernment looking at what's going on and. Getting yourself in, in calm, happy state, serenity. Those are the, I'm going to read that last part again. Two things are helpful for attaining the cessation of perception and feeling. Serenity and discernments. That's probably a translation of shamatha and vipassana, or Jhana and
0: Vipassana, right? Yeah, that's what I was thinking, yeah. Wisdom and Samadhi. All right, are there any uh questions, comments?
1: Happy thoughts, wholesome thoughts. <laughs> Happy thoughts, wholesome thoughts.
2: <laughs> yeah, um it's interesting because like it really is like there's there's very few things to do, right? And then it's just kind of letting the process happen from there like it's, you know. Yeah.
0: Mhm.
1: Yeah, I mean, it that's why it practice is easy, it's light, right? No deep dive necessary. The thing to do is very simple, very... Uh, <sighs> stop worrying about things, right? Get yourself into a state of mind that you know you can enjoy. We've all been in enjoyable states of mind, right? We know how to get back there. Sometimes we just don't want to go back there because we're too we're too interested in having this pity party that we're going on right now. And then we then it becomes overwhelming and then and then it becomes a lot of work to get out of that dukkha because then we have to really start to come through all the shit that we've created and then lighten up again and get ourselves, oh, yeah, things things aren't so bad after all. Like, oh, I, I remember, that <laughs> it, it actually is all right, right? So that so we call it full circle. Um. Don Murado, I was talking to Domerado and he's talking about it's like a clock. So if you're up and you're in a good state of mind or in a wholesome state of mind and the clock ticks a couple unwholesome thoughts down, it's easy to tick it right back up. But if it takes all the way down to the bottom, then the only way back up is to go all the way through all that bullshit again to get to the top. So you go know, through that dark night of the soul, right? You go, <laughs> you have to, okay, back to feeling all the bad sensations one breath at a time. Ah, uh, this sucks, this sucks. Uh, 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 A&P or whatever you think of, um, back to the wholesome but we 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 state we train the sati to catch that first unwholesome thought and then bring it right back bring it right back to that wholesome state of mind to that carefree state of mind so you catch that uh, proverbial uh, snake in the garden um you're 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 playing in the garden of jhana or whatever of happy wholesome state and there's a little snake going through the bushes Like Mara or the devil, that's gonna try to trick you out of it, out of that paradise. I start making judgments about things, start overthinking things, start mentally proliferating problems, mentally creating dukkha. But we can catch these things quicker and quicker if we pay attention. Right? If it gets so bad, then why we gotta turn all the way through it, go through that whole long ordeal, and then we'll eventually. Everything is in a cycle. We'll eventually make it back to happiness, but we can practice to stay consistently back in that wholesome state, because the longer we're in the wholesome state, uh, the more discernment we're going to be able to see, and then we can uh, start to realize uh, the cessation of perception and feeling and stuff like that. Uh, All right, so if there's no more questions,
0: Anna, do you have any closing words? Are you there? You there with us, Anna? Maybe she fell asleep. OK, <laughs> OK,
1: we got a heart. That's I'll take it. All right, everyone. Thank you for coming. Um,
0: I will see you guys later. Bye All right, see you. Thanks.